I'm Julianne Delyn Hatton, and you're listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. This series will discuss the Prophet Joseph Smith and the authenticity of the gospel he restored. I'll be speaking with Michael R. Ash, author of the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Welcome, Michael Ash. Hi, Julianne. We are halfway through the evidences in your book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Yes, yes, we've been moving right along, haven't we? It's awesome. Now, we are discussing Jared's ships today with a lot of very interesting information. Yeah, it's uh, um, stuff that we definitely don't uh, have an easy time associating with our world around us. (laughs) Let's start with talking about the Jaredites. Who were the Jaredites? They were a group that, according to um, the Book of Mormon, were around uh, during what they call the Great Tower, which we assume would have been, you know, the Tower of uh, Babel. And uh, they were a people of God who separated themselves from the rest of the uh, um, people that lived in, in what would have been Mesopotamia, probably, and and were directed by the Lord again to the Promised Land, being the New World. So, so they were the the first group that we read about in the Book of Mormon to inhabit the New World before the Lehites came on the scene. That, now, that doesn't mean they were the first people in the Americas, but they were the first ones uh, recorded in the Book of Mormon, as far as uh, as far as that account goes. So today we'll be discussing how they got to America. Yes. Let's talk about the eight barges. Yeah, so so the Lord directed them uh, to build these ships, these barges, to uh, cross the ocean. And we have some interesting details in the Book of Mormon that sound um, very fantastic. But what's interesting is we find parallels to what we read the Book of Mormon with other uh, ancient lore, uh, texts and narratives, things that were not around in Joseph's day. Science fiction, perhaps? (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, it almost sounds like like science fiction, but uh, you know these are things that we read about in in ancient uh, religious documents that are known to scholars now. But like I said, Joseph Smith didn't know about, and and, and there's some parallels that are very fascinating and uh, lend support to the claim that Joseph Smith translated an ancient document himself. What made the barges so unusual? Well, we read that they were almost like submarine in nature. They say uh, um, they're described in the book of either as being tight, like into a dish. Uh, there were these furious winds that uh, were coming forth, and it's interesting. Hugh Nibley's written a lot about this, and 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 much of the information that I have comes from from his uh, a very deep writing. So, for those that want to explore more, I you know I suggest turning to his works. But he talks about how there are legends of this these ferocious winds uh, basically causing havoc among nations and uh, and, and maybe that was somehow t- tied into the Tower of Babel story, these narratives. And, and so these dishes, or these uh, barges rather, had to be tight like into a dish and they would have been probably peaked at the ends like um, some of the boats that we read about um, from the, this section of the old world, but they had to been they had to be closed up so that they could be submerged under water with uh, these waves that were coming over. And and this is where it gets interesting because some of these ancient documents that are known to scholars now talk about Noah's Ark 
in very similar terms, that his ark would have been also tight. In fact, the word ark originally meant uh, a box, uh, basically a, 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 almost like a coffin would have had a closed lid, so it would have also been tight, uh, like a dish it would have had ventilation holes in it, so qu quite a bit different than what we see in the movies. And um, these ventilation holes, holes that would have been in the uh, Noah's Ark is translated not only as ventilation holes, but as windows. Uh, and, and not an ordinary window, again, like we envision today, but some sort of uh, um, way of letting air come in so that people could breathe uh, when they were underwater. So these ships did not float on top of the water? No, they, they, they were buried into the ocean. Um, and we read in the Book of Ether that uh, they had to have the special system set up where they could rise up and let air apparently uh, be captured into the uh, ventilation holes and, and hold them over. So there might have been times where it was floated above water, but uh, it had to be protected so the people wouldn't drown or that it wouldn't be submerged by the, the strong waves coming over top of it. So you're saying there's a historical record of similar boats? It's actually kind of tied into maybe an archetypal uh, vessel of Noah's. And so these legends of this vessel of Noah's would have had him traveling um, on the flooded earth uh, under these giant waves or underwater, at least parts of the time. And, and when you're there underwater, of course, like I said, it was sealed up and so they would have no light and, and uh, wouldn't be able to see out. They had to have air somehow captured inside the vessel. So now we come to the part about the light. Yeah, and, and uh, the brother of Jared recognized this problem, and he went to the Lord and, and asked him, you know, uh, we need some light. You know, what can you do? And, and the Lord uh, touched these 16 stones and made them shine. And, and that's what uh, the brother of Jared brought onto the vessel so they would have light to be able to see. Now, I can imagine that that light would have been really important. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, if, if you're, again, in, in almost what would be a, a coffin-type barge, you know, large, obviously, enough to, you know, hold several people, um, when it was closed up, you wouldn't be able to see anything, and, and you had to have some sort of illumination, and, and you know, you couldn't light fires in there, um, uh Brother Jared mentions that he wouldn't have windows, you know, glass or anything, because the, the waves would uh, dash these to pieces, he says. So they needed some sort of illumination, and uh, that's why this problem was presented to the Lord looking for a solution. And we know that they were probably underwater for months, if not longer. Yeah, and it probably would have gone uh, maybe in and out, you know, just trying to envision this in a, in a real-world setting. Um they were driven by these ferocious winds, and so you have these giant waves that would have come crashing down, and so there's, you know, times they would have been able to uh, open up somehow the top, this the basically take off the lid to maybe let in light and air, and then close it up as these storms came back over, and it had to be, you know, water sealed, otherwise it would swamp the boat and, and they would sink, and so for long periods they probably had to have it closed up, and, and that's when they needed the light. What do the critics say about the stones? Well, yeah, the, you know, the, this is kind of one of the comical things, according to the critics, is that, uh, you know, the shining stones is something that was, you know, made up by Joseph Smith. Uh, you know, they, they've laughed about it for, for you know, decades, centuries now over this. Um, even though we find it humorous in our 21st century, even 20th century thought, 
it actually has some precedence from the uh, ancient documents that have been explored. What documents? Well, there, there's uh, several different ones, one of which, uh, again, Dr. Hugh Nibley points to the Palestinian Talmud, and, and he mentions that the Ark, according to the legend, the Noah's Ark had shining stones. And um, these are documents that appeared long after Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon. But uh, these, these stones were bright during the day and then dark during the night, so Noah was able to tell when it was nighttime and uh, daylight outside. And so we have the same type of illumination in Noah's Ark that we find in uh, the brother of Jared's uh, barges. So Joseph Smith wouldn't have had any access to this information? No, no, he, he wouldn't have known about it. And, and that's why the critics howled with laughter, because they said, oh yeah, you know, it's, a, it's quite a fable that uh, Joseph Smith has woven together here. They had no idea that these stories were very similar to what we read in uh, ancient accounts of Noah's Ark. But the, the fact is now that we have access to these ancient documents, Joseph Smith is looking pretty good because uh, all these interesting uh, comical appearing aspects of about, about barges actually fit right at home with what we read in the ancient documents about Noah's Ark. You have other evidence about light as well. Yeah, the, uh, the gemstone um, or the shining stones that was both in the barge as well as in Noah's Ark, um, in the Ark it was described as, uh, as something that may be part of the water and so maybe helped uh, propel or, 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 or uh, maybe divide the water, I guess, in a sense, uh, in their journey to, you know, uh, where they finally landed the ark. Well, the, uh, it's described even as what they call a moon friend. And, and so um, scholars are, are maybe split on, on whether the description refers to the shape of the boat or the, or the shining stones. Um, but also, one other interesting thing is in, that uh, Hugh Nibley found in ancient uh, Babylonian text is uh, he found that the... Uh, this ark, the, the flood boat as it was called, it had a window, and in Genesis, uh, the Hebrew word for window is translated as shiner or illuminator. And so in the Book of Mormon, it's the only place that we have both the description of the shining stones and the ventilation or, or window system that we find in the ancient texts, and, and, and it's just hinted at in the Bible, but it's never really spelled out. And so Joseph Smith uh, j really hit the nail on the head with this one. So we're halfway through your book, and there's so much more interesting information ahead of us, and also detail to what we've been talking about for the past 40-plus evidences. Yeah. Where can we find your book? If, if you go to fairmormon.org, you can go right to the bookstore. It's probably the, the largest repository of uh, LDS books around, and you can order it directly from Fair Mormon, or you can find it on Amazon or in uh, Deseret bookstores as well. So it's being carried now in Deseret bookstores? Yes, it is being carried in some of the Deseret bookstores. Um, you know, I guess it depends on uh, the you know local managers which books they order in. But I know I've had a number of people buy them there, and like I said, of course you can buy it. Uh, uh, they can order it if if your Deseret bookstore doesn't carry it, or you can get it directly from Fair Mormon or from Amazon. And last time I checked, Fair Mormon it was a little over twelve dollars. So what a great deal! Exactly. Thank you so much, Michael Ash. Thanks, Julianne. Appreciate it. 
Thanks for listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. I'm your host, Julianne Delin Hatton, inviting you to keep the faith. Michael Morash is the author of the book, Shaken Faith Syndrome, Strengthening One's Testimony in the Face of Criticism and Doubt, as well as the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Faith and Reason is produced by Tom Hatton with music courtesy of Arthur Hatton. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You can support this podcast by subscribing to it in iTunes and by rating it and writing a review. Questions or comments can be sent to podcast at fairmormon.org or you may join the conversation at fairblog.org.